up with skits is hard, Brian. Like, I'm impressed we've managed to do it this long without running out of material. I know, right? Do you remember the first brainstorming session we had? You mean that time you brainstormed in response to my Stoneforge Mystic trigger after I reset it with Flicker Wisp, and I already had Batterskull, Sword of Fire and Ice, and Jit in the graveyard, so I had no more equipment, and I wasn't really sure what you were going for. No, not the card, you English muffin. The first time you and I sat down together to come up with skit ideas for dies to removal, way back in 2018. Do you remember? Oh, I remember. I remember. I remember. Flashback. So you're saying we need to start every episode of dies to removal with a sketch or a skit? Oh yes, we have to. That way all the people who can't stand our opinions will still click and watch the first three minutes before turning us off to go binge watch Game Nights. What's Game Nights? Vince, it's 2018. Game Nights exists and is very popular. Oh, right. Sorry, yeah. I, I prefer Spice 8 Rec anyway. Ooh, no, it's still another month until he's gonna make his channel. Really? Hmm, okay, surprising. Um, anyway, I'm not very good at acting, so do, do I have to act? I'm not good at it, and I'm not very good at remembering long lines like this one either. Why don't we just make outlandish parodies of things Wizards of the Coast might do? You know, criticism through humor. Obviously, it's all just over-exaggerated products, but through the joke, we're able to voice legitimate criticism about some of the directions we see the company going. Okay, okay, yeah, I think I get it. Can you give me an example? Yeah, so for example, let's pretend that Wizards of the Coast is making a From the Vault-like product, only it's it's direct to consumers, so we'd call it a secret seller drop. That's a very strange name. And besides, Wizards of the Coast would never cut out local game stores. It's what keeps magic going, Brian. Yeah, that's the joke. I mean, Wizards of the Coast would never do anything that bad, but they have been cutting a lot of support to local game stores lately, and so we can make fun at that by pretending that they'd go so far as to create direct-to-consumer, secret-sellers products. Oh, can you imagine it? That would make them literal liars. They said they acknowledge the secondary market, that local game stores are important. We could even we could even run with the idea that they're gonna like print fetch lands and shock lands and like really desirable staples into this. We could call it Secret Liars. The product's called Secret Liars? Like it says liars in the product name? That's so over the top, it's hilarious. Oh, 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 I've got another one, I've got another one. So Commander becomes really popular, right? So they just introduce Commander as a mechanic to every format with one of the new sets. So to have Commanders available for like Standard and Modern and Legacy. Oh, and they're so stupid powerful that they break all of those formats and need immediate bannings. Yeah, yeah, one of them is so broken that they have to ban it before it's released in Commander. Okay, this is too outlandish. How about instead we say that since Commander is doing so well, Wizards of the Coast is just gonna get rid of everything else and triple the number of Commander precons every year and even get rid of GPs and just hold Commander festivals in its place. Oh God, can you imagine it? If they just did away with organized play in favor of Commander. I mean, organized play is the other really important thing that's driven magic for 25 years alongside the support of local communities and game stores. Yeah, again, that's the joke. They would never, ever do that. All right, then, all right, let's go one step further. Let's 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 joke that they nuke organized play entirely. They remove the Pro Tour, Worlds, all qualifying events, all GPs, and instead we just get some sort of, I don't know, mobile gacha game where you have to buy gems or something to get your cards. I really hope no one from Wizards of the Coast watches these skits and think we're serious. It, it is just a joke. 
It's satire though, right? Like we know wizards would never do that kind of thing. They would never create a mobile game essentially that like, you know, takes from the crib sheet of Fortnite and its economy and marketplace. They wouldn't do that, right? Okay, okay, what about this? At the height of Commander's popularity, Wizards of the Coast creates a Commander-like format, but it only uses standard cards. Commander, standard that rotates, and, and, online, no multiplayer. You just have to do 1v1 brawls. What, we just pretend that they remove all the things that makes Commander good? Multiplayer, legacy card pool, no rotation. Whoa, oh, what about if they try to sell that to us with like really powerful Commander face cards and chase rare in the pre-cons for this new standard commander. Oh, that's so over-the-top evil. Like, if they created $25 premium standard packs and, like, you couldn't even draft with them or play sealed. <laughs> oh, oh, what if they pledged $1 million to some sort of, I don't know, green light fund for creators? They take all the information and they take all the ideas and concepts from the community via some lengthy, drawn-out um, sort of application form thing and then just don't give them any money and just like ghost everybody. What if they sold you a cut piece of an uncut sheet, a card worth a couple of dollars that had non-exclusive art on it, and maybe just some booster packs, charged you $350 and called it a deluxe product? What if as part of their digital push with this like gacha game thing is they just made digital only cards that can't be played in paper, further dividing the player base and the game at its core? No, no, stop. Cut it out. This is all too over the top. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm getting carried away. I really like the concept, but I'm getting carried away. What if we just, um... What if we just joke about how bad Magic Online is then? Heh, <laughs> Magic Online? More like Magic Offline, am I right? <laughs> Classic. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dies to Removal, our supposedly weekly or bi-weekly, but it's normally every couple months at this point, podcast, video podcast. I'm Vince, also known as Pleasant Kenobi on the internet, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, uh, Brian of Tolarian Community College. Hello, Brian, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. It's so good to see you again. It feels like it's been literally ages. I think <laughs> 15 Magic the Gathering sets have come and gone since last we spoke. That, that is one way to definitely age things, isn't it? Is to pick out how many products have been released. If you go with each set being five or six extra products too, it's pro we're probably approaching a hundred different like barcodes you could scan. Anyway, not important. We're not talking about things you can buy in shops today. We're talking about things that don't support your local store, actually. We're talking about um, Historic Horizons. No, sorry, sorry. Jumpstart Historic Horizons. That wasn't a bit. I generally stumble every time I try to say this. Does, set name. Does it matter what things are called anymore? I, I don't know. This is his. This was Historic Masters Horizons Jumpstart yeah. Mystery Booster. Whatever it is, you can't get it in local game stores because it is digital only and in the truest sense because it is not just a digital only product, but it is a product that cannot exist, or at least many cards of which cannot exist in paper, by design, we've decided that the idea of magic as digital and magic paper having a one-to-one -one bridge where what exists in paper exists in digital and vice versa is what we don't want to do anymore. And what we want to do is what Hearthstone has been doing 
and we're just going to do it. Yeah. I'm feeling a little cynical. I know, big surprise. Before we get into the cynicism, though, let's just clarify it completely for people who are not up to date. Sure. Because I've missed all the videos and stuff. So, like Brian said, these are cards that cannot exist in paper. So please don't get bogged down with, this happened with a lot of my videos, of people just trying to figure out how functionally they can make them work in paper. Uh, they just don't. They haven't... There's no... Uh, consideration to that idea. So these are cards that affect uh, power and toughness, for example, across all zones. So as your card moves around from hand to graveyard to exile, it keeps things. There's planeswalkers with like 15,000 activated abilities on them that are like randomized. There's a lot of RNG ones as well as this persistent stuff. So yeah, these are cards that aren't just temporarily on arena. This is stuff that will never come to paper magic. Thank God ever. for that, actually. It's another selling point for paper. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I start already? Okay, where, where are we starting with this? Because I feel like we've both got a lot to say. <laughs> this is what I want to start with. Uh, again, okay, listen, if you watch this show and my channel, you can't start acting upset that I'm cynical at this point because it's been eight years. This Saturday is the eight-year anniversary of Tolarian Community College, and I haven't changed one bit. You can go back to when I did Dies to Removal with the other guy, and I was complaining about dragons and Innistrad, but... It's, it's, it's bit, why are there dragons in Innistrad? That makes no sense, but. Your cynicism is good though, because it makes me look upbeat and optimistic. That's like, right. It's a, it's a good contrast. Yeah, when yeah, normally yeah. I used to look all right, miserable far, but okay. Here's, here's what I really wanted to ask you. Given that we are adding 800 cards, many of which are from Modern Horizons and Modern Horizons 2, mm -hmm. uh, to historic, given that Historic was, prior to this release, shaping up to be one of the biggest selling points of Arena, a format that even the most cynical people like yourself and uh, mm -hmm. Jeff Hoagland and many other naysayers said was brilliance, was great, was a driving force, but now we're adding these, these made-for-digital-only cards that do all kinds of crazy stuff. There's 800 of them. Are we essentially just dropping a giant bomb Oh, I shouldn't say that for the algorithm, on Historic. I mean, is this essentially taking what Historic was, this finely curated, yeah. finely cultivated format of magic cards from throughout magic history and just saying, hey, now it's 800 cards from everything from Horizons to made for digital only designs that will dominate. And is this destroying what Historic was? That's what I want to know. Do you feel that this is just the end of Historic as we knew it's it? It seems like Wizards aren't quite sure what they want to do with Historic, and it changes by month. So you mentioned Curated, right? And Historic right. was. So for people who are just getting into Historic, recently downloaded Arena, recently found Magic in general, Historic wasn't just like sets coming out to build it like Standard has. It was a certain number of sets on Arena, plus other random stuff that was inserted in called Anthologies that had like, I don't know, 7 to 14 to 20 cards in them. And before that could be said, like you said, Brian, curation, right? Like, oh, here's 20 cards that we think will affect the format in a positive way or open up new archetypes. And there's an element of that with this because some of the stuff, like the, the whole affinity archetype, they're just like really sprucing up with this set, which I'm excited for in some ways. It is, it's hard to call it curation when you drop 800 cards. 800 like only, new cards. So only, only 300-ish are new to Arena, but they're still all new to a Historic. Right. And then 31 of them are special, special, like, non-real ones. But it's still a lot. Even adding 300, that's an entire set. Which, well, it's more than an entire set in modern standards. So maybe it's yes. not so bad when you start compared to other sets and stuff. Other sets have this. But, yeah, it is kind of wild that we've gone from careful curation to just, like, throw everything at the wall and see what happens. 
But I really worry that this will fundamentally change what historic as a format is. And you know oh, something? Yeah. Yeah. You know something I saw was really interesting was people were beginning to ask the question, hey, why don't we try bringing historic to paper? I mean, it's a little complicated, but there is a list and you could recreate historic decks in paper yeah. and have historic paper events. And many people brought up Pioneer and said, gosh, Wizards sure backed the wrong pony on that because they wanted Pioneer to succeed and they were going to do Pioneer Masters on Arena, which they've now indefinitely canceled. And yep. goodness, like, like I bet they had plans for things like Pioneer, I don't know, Masters, in paper or pioneer precon decks like they did with Brawl or who knows what, but they couldn't do any of that if we were like, hey, historic is so much better than pioneer. Let's just have historic in paper, forget pioneer. And it's just very interesting that now they have made it so that historic is fundamentally unplayable and unbringable to paper, at least in a one-to-one -one correlation. And it's like they, they in, I don't want to do this. I don't, want to do this whole, like, I get in trouble when I start doing the, I'm not doing tinfoil hat, yeah, the conspiracy but the result, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. Yeah. How about we say Wizards is too uh, clueless to conspire on this level, yeah. but their actions, their actions have led to, we were at a point where we could create this incredibly awesome format in paper to play with one another. And by doing this, that that is no longer possible. So I, I thought historic would bridge the gap in many ways for people who've yes. come to Magic through Arena, they're playing standard, they move to historic because their favorite cards rotate or whatever. They right. find this whole world of historic and then eventually they're like, I want to go into a game store. And historic can be, so people who don't know, have seen this before, I'm a modern legacy enthusiast, right? I love non-rotating formats, Commander as well, Pioneer I enjoyed a little bit. I thought Historic was the new one of those, the one that was kind of more accessible in a way because it's on Arena and it hasn't got the problem of dual lands or fetch lands as things that they either can't reprint or I guess technically can't reprint, it seems. Anyway, not in a meaningful way anyway. So I thought Historic was going to be that. And then they just they were just like, no, actually, it's, it's, it's not. And a lot of people were saying Historic can never be that because of how confusing legality was, which honestly I don't think is a valid... Um, concern honestly because you have arena right there in your phone or on your computer that has a filter to allow you to check what is legal and isn't legal if yeah. anything it's easier to check what's legal and historic than it was in modern or legacy because you needed access to a website like goldfish or something it's not like an app or whatever so yeah i thought historic was going to come to paper i thought it was going to bridge the gap i thought it was going to give us a accessible rotating format that everyone had like a mutual ground for but instead what we keep seeing is them doing what they've done to older formats too with new sets it's just blow it up every so often with the Anthologies injecting new entire new decks that shift the whole better game, which means you have to spend more wild cards. Not to be conspirational, but conspiratorial, conspiratorial tinfoil. Not to be tinfoil, but it's true. And now we're seeing it even worse now, where they're dropping like this many cards. Like you said, it yeah. would be unrecognizable for what it was literally a week ago because Look, of how it's coming out. Well, until people can get the cards, Brian. Don't forget, obviously, Jumpstart isn't the best way to distribute cards on Arena either. Whoa, but let's whoa, not we'll get, talk about that but maybe, in a second. In a yeah, second. I'm not even sure if we want to get into the economy of Arena today. I don't know. But I, I don't want to. In fact, I'm bored with the idea of Wizards' intent. I don't even care what Wizards' intent anymore is. All I care about is the results. So you want to talk results? Our friends at the uh, Masters of Modern podcast just put out an episode where they have examined uh, uh, Modern and they find that Modern, big surprise, is dominated by cards printed since War of the Spark, meaning that this format, and I've talked about this before, that was meant to be a home for all these old cards that you wanted to play with 
has they've all been pushed out by War of the Spark forward, not not even to mention uh, Modern Horizons cards and things like that. And so that's the result of what's happening. And I say that it's reasonable to expect that same result with Historic. So question, if I can't dust my old standard cards on Arena, and I can't trade my old standard cards on Arena, and the whole point of Historic was to give me something to do with my old standard cards, but Historic is going to be dominated by new sets moving forward, by Historic Horizons moving forward, as we have seen that result, that action in similar formats with similar actions, I don't think that's an unreasonable uh, uh, guess no, that what's going to happen. Then once again, can you please tell me, as I'm spending all of this money and all of these gems on all of these standard cards in Arena, and then it rotates, and these cards are just dead in my library, where can I play with them? Because it's not going to be in Historic anymore. Yeah, so there's this, there's this argument that was coming about with the with Modern Horizons Wars onwards especially. There was always a conversation before, but the, the, that was the period of Magic where it became a real obvious thing, is that Modern Legacy started to rotate. As each new set came out and was so so pushed and so power crept, it caused rotation in older formats. Now, in the wider ecosystem of physical cards that you can trade and sell and Commander being on the sideline, at least when your deck rotates, and by rotates I mean becomes obsolete because it's just not good enough to compete at an event or whatever, you can still sell your cards and stuff like that. Arena is this cap, like closed up, sealed up product, this ecosystem that you just can't get out of. Your money goes in and never comes back out. And so if they can create rotation, which isn't explicitly rotation, they're not saying these sets aren't legal anymore, they're just saying, why would you play with this card from Amonkhet when there's a strictly better version in Modern Horizons 2 or 1 or whatever they insert into it? So they're creating an artificial rotation, which is something people joked about in Modern Legacy all the time, but it's more apparent here. And again, not to dwell on intent, but don't forget that historic wild cards were originally, or historic rares would have cost two wild cards, and the backlash made them U-turn on that. So it's interesting that they had a they had a more explicitly expensive monetization strategy for that that couldn't go through. So perhaps again, let's not talk about intent, but I just think it's an interesting point to point out when we're looking at like obvious rotation of the format or massive seismic shifts in the format. I don't I don't care about intent anymore. Like I said, we'll talk about just results. So the result is how are these cards being monetized? How do I get these cards and how fair is it? So there's 800 of them. Uh, an average standard set is approximately 250 new cards. So we've got 800 coming out at once. Remember, uh, 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 we also do not have things on Magic Arena such as a spectator mode. We do not have things on Magic Arena, such as a multiplayer mode. We do not have a lot of things like that on Magic Arena, but we are going to be paying quite a lot to get these cards. How do we get them, Vince? So the default mode is the jumpstart uh, methodology that we saw with original jumpstart, which was that you you pay into an event. The actual, I'm not going to lie to you, I have no idea what the actual entry cost of these events are. I don't know if they're even public at this point. I haven't even bothered to look. And you play Jumpstart, which is where you get a set deck and you play against another set deck. And that's that's how you get these cards. Or you can buy them with wild cards. However, that was already considered by the community at large, and I'm pretty sure Saffron Olive's done articles on it and stuff, as a difficult way to get certain chase rares anyway. Certain ones were way less likely to come up, like Muxus, for example, and stuff right. like that. And we've seen that with the real-world paper costs as well. It seems to parallel in terms of rarity. So what they've also introduced with this one is that some of the decks have some cards that aren't available or only available 25% of the time. Or There's grids and graphs. They love their grids, graphs, and infographics. Again, my eyes glazed over. But the point is, sometimes you will not even get the rare you want when you open the deck that you should be in because it's also not always in there. Yes. So in short... 
there's this argument you don't even want to build one deck anyway. Not not everyone needs every card, sure. But in short, to get playsets of this stuff, getting it through limited is going to be difficult, and then you're going to have to dump a lot of wild cards for new decks entirely, because your old decks are going to be very, very old hat once you get hit with the power level of Modern Horizons 1 and 2 cards. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the most information-filled uh, explanation I wanted to give, Brian. But honestly, at this point, I'm just like, sure, I'll play a couple of games of Jumpstart, and then we'll see where we are. Because I'm, mm. I'm excited for some of the new cards. But oh, I'm sure. also not excited for the cost of buying into the new Affinity deck, which is going to be like another probably 20-plus rare wild cards, because they're putting so many good cards in. It's crazy. Yeah, and how expensive is that? Well, it's hard to determine because you have to look at gems and wildcard costs yeah, and it's everything. it's obtuse. Right. If you want to see someone spend $1,000 on Arena and see what they get by opening one set in particular, check out the video that I did that on my channel. And you'll be able to see how many wildcards you have get. a YouTube channel? You uh, made a YouTube it? channel just to do that? 15 minutes into the recording, maybe 13 minutes into the episode. Well done, Brian. That was, that was a record. Well, I felt really bad. I wanted to apologize to you because not even just the last episode, but the last two episodes, you referred to your channel and I didn't hassle you about it. And I felt really bad about that. So I wanted to make did, sure did to really... Did people notice in the comments? I don't think they did. I think they're so big on saying it themselves. Half the comments on a Dies to Removal yeah. episode are just saying Vince has a YouTube channel. So I think that they're, they're, they're doing it without me, but I did feel bad. So I'm glad that I could contribute that here but yes if you I are typing that go and subscribe please that's that's that's, 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 the, that's the rules now if you're typing to, Vince, to me first you subscribe to me first subscribe and then to. you can you don't need any more well, anyway click the bell on me if you're already subscribed <laughs> click the bell but anyway smash that very bell. expensive yep very expensive to get uh it just feels more and more like the game is not being fair or reasonable with already high-priced cost of uh, things, that they're literally trying to say what is yeah. the most that we can do, what is the extreme, and then maybe even a, take a step beyond that. And if that's not the reality, then that certainly to me is the feeling that I as a customer have. And uh, it's it's very disappointing. I'm disappointed because I was just getting into historic, what historic was. And I don't know that I share as much of your excitement about some of those new cards. Some of them, like the Modern Horizons ones, I, I do like Modern Horizons, even though it did mm. essentially lead to the end of what I loved about the original modern format, but I like the new Modern Horizons modern format a lot. I like those cards, and I even made a video that got hated on at the time where I said that I wanted Modern Horizons cards on Arena, and then everybody was like, that's ridiculous. Well, now it's not so ridiculous, is it? But I'm not so sure about these digital-only cards. Isn't it interesting that people probably, if you don't, I wish I had them as a poll, like, I don't know, let's say two, three months ago when the controversy around spectator mode and the comments came out, like, which one do you reckon is more likely to be implemented into Arena first? A spectator mode or Modern Horizons 1 and 2 cards? Because I think a lot of people would have probably just assumed spectator mode. Because at that point, the right. esports push still existed. But let's right. not get bogged down with that topic. That's a good today. one. That's a good one. I think I'm going to put that poll up there. That's a really good one. 
So I guess a really reasonable question to ask here is, was Arena missold to us or has it morphed into something that was unexpected? And again, we can't get into the intent of Wizards of the Coast. I don't know what was said behind closed doors. I don't care. But I feel that Arena, when I first saw it, and this is just my impressions, is I looked at it as this is the new premier digital client. I wanted it to replace Magic Online, but then I saw that you couldn't trade cards and it didn't have Modern on it, and I felt like, wait, whoa, whoa, I don't know that I want it to replace Magic Online. And then I thought maybe we could convince them to let us trade cards and have formats like Modern, and well, we kind of have a Modern-like format or two, in a sense. I mean, if we can do this, if they can do, everybody always said, well, you can't add ma Modern to uh, Magic Arena, and it's like, well, we can add 800 cards uh, to it in one go, many of which are from Modern Horizons 1 and 2, so I don't know, maybe we could have added Modern to it by now if we had prioritized it. I guess, what, I, I don't know, what I'm trying to ask is, what did we think Magic Arena was supposed to be, and has our opinion on it changed? Is this changing into something else? What is Magic Arena? What is it? What What is it to you? I think, I think it's really fair to say that my perception of Arena was that it was part of the esports push initially. Yeah. Like, it, like the, the world will know, right? That trailer was not only a trailer for esports, but it had, like, a Arena featured prominently, right? I'm not imagining that. Yeah. 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 So, and then obviously the MPL was played exclusively on Arena, I want to say. It was historic and standard, right? There right. was There was no modern or legacy or vintage or cube no. or, or, any, or anything like that. Which Remember obviously they had tried that best of one format that one time? They tried best of one and it was just Ugh. riddled with disaster. Yeah, yeah. But like, and people might be thinking, oh, Vinci being unreasonable, shut up about legacy. No, but like the mocks and like the previous like pro events have used Magic Online to play. Even Cube has been part of things like that before, right? Like, that has right. been a thing. So anyway, 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 get off track there. I think Arena always looked like it was tied in with esports to me. That was my perception. Like, it was a thing that streamers would play. Yeah. The Mythic Ladder mattered. The qualification mattered. And then, in alongside them being like, ah, oh, who cares about competitive and or professional play? That's gone out the window. But then, like, also, we don't care about Pioneer now. Also, his historic, historic jumpstart master. It's yeah. crazy. I think it's like they almost want... overnight they changed. Almost yeah. overnight. I, I, think, I think maybe you're right that... I, I wanted, as a consumer, as a casual player, I just wanted Magic Online, but with a better interface. Yeah, but I, I never had a problem with the Magic Online economy. I liked that when I played Magic Online, I'm playing events like I would play at a, a, a local game store or a tournament, mm -hmm. that there was, you know, like prizes that could be traded. There was an economy. If I want to buy a deck, I can either crack packs or I can just buy the singles I need for the deck I want to play. And then I pay Wizards of the Coast for entering an event where there are stakes or I can get casual games for free. All of that I liked. There's Commander on Magic Online. There's Modern on Magic Online. There's Legacy on Magic Online. You can invent a format and just play it on Magic Online. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like the interface and thought it was rather buggy. And they've solved a lot, but not all of the bugs. But yeah. and Arena's it's, getting buggy. It's okay. It's outdated, right? Yeah. Like, the, the, and, the, and, I just wanted better grass. I just wanted uh, Arena to just replace online visually and perhaps interface-wise. There's a lot of growing issues with the Arena interface. But I think you're right that Wizards wasn't thinking, let's replace Magic Online. I think Wizards thought we should have a splashy eSport 
interface and it's standard and draft maybe, and that's it. And it's just for that. And then I think they were surprised by the huge popularity of Arena. I yeah. think they didn't, yeah. I, again, I don't want to get into what they thought, but I do think that, that they I, were I, not anticipating it to be as popular as it initially I, I, was. I know you don't want to say about intent and stuff, but I do, I will throw this out there. I do like the idea that at some point during the conceptual stages, when higher-ups talk about like how much money do we put in, what we're we doing here, but at some point in development, very early concept, it was actually aimed at making sure they didn't lose market share to Artifact or similar. Like they were scared of Steam and <laughs> right. Valve coming yeah, yeah, in their card yeah. game. And then that just like fired itself out of existence. And then like Arena just carried on as it is. I really hope that was part of it. That's that's just a, a funny anecdote in my mind. Um, Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyone, myself included, would snap off the idea. Anyone who uses Moda record like I do. Snap off the idea. Yes, please. I would even criticize the economy less if I could just play Legacy and Modern and do the stuff that I can do on um, uh, Modo in the arena interface especially if you have the trading system a trading system that allows game stores to sell cards online and support themselves through the digital stuff as well that allows people to lend each other cards and trade cards and have all these elements that have been part of magic for the last 25-30 years uh, Magic yeah, is a trading off. card game. I want to trade my cards with you. I want to trade money for cards, and I want to trade cards for other cards. And I can do all that on Magic Online. I can't do that on Arena. I think, and why are we complaining about this now? Because I think bringing in 800 cards that are going to become the must-have, must-play cards of a format that are being introduced through a highly criticized implementation system in an already outrageously expensive uh, economy. Like already the Magic Arena economy is, I feel, I, I really don't want to be hyperbolic and say predatory, but I've said it before, so I'll say it again. I, I, I do. I think it's a kind of predatory it is. Uh, it uh, is. economy. Maybe not as bad as that new Pokemon game, I guess, but is that really the bar? But I want us to, in, in the interest of being fair, because there's probably some people watching this that are thinking this, we do have to highlight that there are issues with Modo's economy as well. Like yes. One of the prominent ones at the moment is that because of people switching to Arena to play standard and a lot of draft stuff, Modo's numbers, they must, we don't know the numbers, but they seem to be down. So what people have been doing a lot is they phantom draft a lot more, which is where you don't get the cards. So what happens is when they've released Modern Horizons 2 with Ragavan, that dominates both Modern and Legacy, those cards are worth now $100 online because no one's opening any and there's not enough in circulation, similar to what we get with some rares in, in, in paper and stuff. So on the flip side, if Ragavan was introduced into Historic, it would actually still be cheaper to probably get to, to buy into the arena economy to get your Ragavan. So there is a, there are some benefits to the wildcard system. The problem being that the amount of wildcards you get for your buck and the fact that they're stuck and locked in there makes it a problem. So there are upsides, but they don't, in my opinion, outweigh the downsides of all the stuff that we're talking about. So I just wanted to say that for fairness, right? Because it's not fair to say that Moto is not perfect. $100 staples on the digital platform is not okay. No, no, but, it's not. But, but yeah. at least... At least when I buy that $100 staple, if a month later I want to, I can sell it for, if it's still going for $100, $100. And if it's going for $60, then I'm recuperating 60% of what I spent, which is 60% more than I can recoup on Magic Arena. And it sounds like you're, you're you're describing paper magic, Brian, or at least an emulation of paper magic, which is what Modo's always been very good at being, right? Yes. Where Arena is just a whole different, and especially now, is a whole different kettle of fish. Yes, so, it, it, yeah. it certainly is. So let's talk about these digital-only cards. What is your opinion, never minding all the stuff about the economy or uh, this and that, 
How do you feel about them finally making what Hearthstone did a decade ago, which is cards that can only be played digitally? Do you feel this is going against what magic should be? What effect no. is this going to have on paper? Are you the, excited for this these systems? This is where we systems? can we can we, we can, can disagree. disagree my Good. Yeah. All right. Let me let, so, hit me with the positivity. Positive. Okay. Pleasant. I'll give the positive, and then give me my your caveat, the little star, the asterisks. Right? Is that I think digital, digitally exclusive cards that do digital things is all well and good and cool because I think the system of magic is very fun and cool and strong. I think it's the, one of the best games ever made. And I think being able to explore that space is great. Like the, the whole the way the persist thing works, where I can like lower the power of a card in my hand, put it in my graveyard, and like reanimate with a Revelark now, like a thing I couldn't before. That gets me excited as someone who likes the moving parts of magic. However, I'm upset that this is going straight into historic, ruining the ideas of it ever becoming paper, further distancing arena from paper, because I don't think it's the place to have it, and then also the fact that we don't really have a future to paper right now. So there's a lot of like baggage on top of the, the, the fact that I'm okay with it that makes me not okay with it at the end. But the idea of just these cards existing, Brian, and like if we just play this jumpstart thing and it was super cheap, or like you can go infinite with it really easy, and these cards were in it, that sounds really fun to me. The fact that they're now in historic is the bit I have a problem with. I'm not going to guess what you think, but I think I know. How do you feel about the idea of just cards that cannot exist in paper? I don't like it. I'm against it. I'm against yeah, there it. You go. All right. Yeah. Now, I would not be as passionately against it if they had done it differently. But here's why I'm against this implementation of it. Number one, and this is the biggest thing, I feel that we are hitting a level of complexity where, and I know it's a bit of a meme on my channel, but there's a truth behind it. One of Magic's brilliance is that reading the card really did explain yeah. the card. And I know Planeswalkers were the first to kind of break that. We're a brand new player, and I teach, I teach a lot of people to play Magic for the first time. I'm that guy in there. Hey, let me show you how it's done at the store or the event or my friends. I'm always doing that. And Planeswalkers is always the one where they go, wait, what the hell is this? But everything else, I, I often can say with a card, read it. And what do you think that means? And 99% of the time they're right because there's a logic to it and an ease to it. And I think that is one of Magic's many strengths. And I feel that many, not all, of these new digital only cards have hit a point where it is reasonable that a person is gonna look at it and say, I don't really know what this does. I'm just gonna see if the computer does and, and click yeah. it. And if it says I can cast it, cast it and have a general idea. And I feel that we're hitting this point of complexity creep where reading the card no longer explains the card. I feel that's bad. I feel that that by itself is a bad thing. And maybe that's me and I'm not a big brainy Magic no, player like, type. I'm a mono red player and a modern merfolk player. So I like to can't. turn cards sideways. But but there's a there's a limit to how far you have to read in a bloody card, right? And that new planeswalker, we're talking about Davriel here, right? Right. Is that it's got it's got literally an additional page of text that is underneath the abilities yeah. on the card. So that's first of all, let's just say let's just say it wasn't randomized. If that was just there, you now well, the first time you see it, the first time you play it, or when playing against it, you haven't played against it for a while, it's just so much to understand that you cannot play with or around it. Because magic's a lot about being able to play around stuff. When you know how yeah. a card works, you can play around it. Daffle, you cannot do that. Then there's an RNG element as well, which just makes it absolutely pointless. So when right. your opponent's got a Davril in play and they've got the ability to activate his middle ability, there is no almost almost no reason or no 
uh, reasonable way for you to be like, okay, X, Y, or Z could happen here. Because right. X, Y, or Z is so many variables, all of which is text you did have to remember. The cognitive load, which is a term I use a lot these days for like board games and card games, is so high on that card in particular. And there's a few others as well, like the conjure mechanic gives you cards that are that already exist. If you don't know what a Shivan Dragon is, you don't know what a Shivan Dragon is. Now, Arena will just show it next to your card, and that's fine, but at that point then, as a new player, like, okay, here's my card, here's Shivan Dragon, and you're reading Shivan Dragon as well. Luckily, Shivan right. Dragon's a low-text kind of card. But Ponder, that book, that can generate Ponder, or Lightning Bolt, or, like, Healing Salve, but better, and just on and on and on. It's just like, how much load do you want to load? And I love complicated magic, but right. this is getting to like a, an absurd level. Absolutely right. And even for those who level. love complicated magic, I do feel it's reasonable to say that magic is an overall ecosystem. And I've always been one to champion that like newer and especially casual players are no dummies. And this isn't me saying that there there's a limit in terms of that because of new and casual players, but I do feel that you pass a threshold where it, it's no longer really magic anymore, especially if coming to concern number two, we are relying on the computer so much that we are doing less of the thinking in the gameplay. For example, you mentioned earlier cards that are looking at all of these zones and coming up with their figure. That means that I'm unable to mentally do this card without the computer doing it for me, showing me the result in some cases of other cards, showing me if it's legal to cast or whatever. And I feel that this makes it a faster kind of like, you're just kind of looking to throw cards out there, throw cards out there. The computer does it, it says it's fine. It was actually a lot like when I, I saw my kid playing Magic Arena and he didn't know to read the cards and he was just kind of pulling them and throwing them and excited <laughs> at the graphics. And I don't think that that should be the direction of Magic the Gathering. A game that there used to be a, a quality of a magic card, not just in the cardboard and art and such, but in the design that this was something of all else aside, meticulous design and testing. And now it's just, here's 800 cards and we don't know what any of them do. And you won't know what all of them do either. And I don't like that. I think having the computer do some of the mental load for you isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think, I do agree with you to an extent that it's good that magic does encourage people to do arithmetic and do a bit of critical and thinking skills. Because magic is a very good game for, like, you know, getting kids engaged in something beyond just flashing lights. I get that. But mm -hmm. having it ca carry some of that load for you, I don't see as an issue. Mm -hmm. However, you, you, do, you do make a point that I hadn't even considered there as well, in amongst that, because you said a lot of things, is that the complexity of things in terms of the design and the elegance of design, right? Like, there are numerous Mark Rosewater blog posts, there are numerous articles on the Mothership talking about how certain things weren't elegant before or certain things weren't intuitive before and they've changed and they've learned from it. Mm -hmm. And I think they're throwing so much, <laughs> so much at the wall here that I think there'll be articles like that in years to come. But at that point, I guess... They just yeah. digitally errata it all. And then these cards that aren't available for paper won't even look like they did a couple of years ago either. And then we'll yeah. see a whole different ballpark at that point. And you know that's coming. I never oh, thought yeah. they would, but it's going to happen now. Of course. It's all but, going to happen now because in, in the larger issue, which I'm not going to uh, uh, bog down on here, the larger issue is that it's, it's no more restrictions uh, magic will do it if they can sell it. And there's no more of like, well, we, we wouldn't do that. We have a certain 
integrity to maintain a certain, like, this mm. is a magic card and what magic is and operates, and we're not going into those realms. And now it's simply, would that sell? Yes, then do it. And it, we don't care what the card looks like and now what the card does. And it reminds me of Secret Lair, where it was just like some of these Secret Layers are blowing your mind on like, they would never in a million years, if you looked, if you went back in time 10 years and showed them some of those Secret Layer art templates and styles and yeah. such, say, well, that isn't a magic card. A magic card does need to have a certain look to it. And now it's not just that a magic card can look like anything, it's that a magic card can do anything. And if it can do anything, then in a certain way, some of the distinctiveness of magic gets lost. I'll give you an example. This is, I, I'm doing a, an old part of my lecture. It was when we would talk about the everyman character. And we I would say, uh, if you didn't know what this object is, in that moment that you don't know what it is, it could do anything. Because if you sincerely didn't know, I could push a button and turn on the TV. I could write on the blackboard with it. It can do or be anything in that moment. But as soon as I name it and I say cellular phone, it's for making wireless calls, then you know what it does. But you also know what it doesn't. You know it doesn't staple papers. You know it doesn't uh, uh, write on the board. And that was tied into the idea of if a character doesn't have a name and they are an everyman character, they can be everybody. But as soon as they are given a distinction, I am Vince, I am Brian, whoever, we're also saying who you are not. I am not Saffron Olive, I am not uh, 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 Marshall Sutcliffe, whatever. And so I think that we lose, when magic becomes an anything game, then it loses that, it, it's it's like, cool, magic's a game where anything can happen, but magic used to be a game where Magic the Gathering happened, where this distinct hmm. style of play happened. And now it's just like, yeah, whatever, Black Lotus appears, the card looks like a poster, a Doctor Who's on it, or Stranger Things is on it, or a dinosaur from Jurassic Park is eating a, a, a Teletubby <laughs> is on it. It can do that. It could have the guy who, you know, beats people to death with a, a crowbar and caves their skull in is on the card. It, it, it can do things. It can add up all the zones. It can anything. And it's like, oh, cool. So it's just whatever now. And it's like some of it will be good and some of it will be bad. And I don't know that I like that. In fact, I do honestly, know that I don't like that. <laughs> I was going to say, Brian, I can tell you don't like it. Um, Honestly, that... that uh extrapolation of like a like a literary idea of like the everyman or an unnamed object and its yeah. potential and stuff i think that's really good honestly it's like, like i used to do way, that for a living for, for yeah yeah i, I, could, I, I could still tell, was I, tell. I still i still was a professor of english for longer than i've been a youtuber i did a decade as as a professor and only eight years now as yeah, a well, youtuber you know, so. those, that, those that can't teach as i was trying to fit in when you talk about uh, teaching people to play magic at the store and stuff yeah. um, for the record comment section i didn't know he was coming out with that i was like so me being impressed is genuine okay no, I think that's a very good way of like really hammering home where we're at with magic at the moment, where digital only cards, the how cards can look from an aesthetic um, UI design perspective, what can be on them in terms of like canonical, non-canonical and non-IP characters. They they said that the planeswalkers in Forgotten Realms aren't planeswalkers. They confirmed. By the way, these are just planeswalker cards, but the characters aren't planeswalkers, and it's just we wanted there to be planeswalker cards. At that point, you just like okay, here's Batman's gun, and it's an enchantment, and I was like, but isn't it should should it be an artifact? And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. It functionally works. Like, it's just getting to ridiculous heights. I agree. And I'm somebody who isn't that against the IP crossovers. I'm excited for some of them and stuff. But that was another interesting point. Not me! 
I know, Brian. We all know. Um, the digital only exclusive cards, Brian. Are you excited for when they start doing IP crossovers there, though? Think of that. Oh, I you just your, I I you I, I, I your want Merfolk it. deck. Right, you're playing Merfolk, and the battlefield is a rain-soaked car park of a Chuck E. Cheese, and your opponent pl- taps one white mana and he casts Abraham Lincoln. And at that point, Brian, you know you've lost. Not the game of magic, but you've lost your childhood game of magic. Like, where has it gone? Why does Abraham What are you Lincoln... doing to me? Why are you... This is... We've... We, this is just called torture. All right, let's talk about where white magic cards in modern and legacy are going then. <laughs> God damn. What is this? Just torture me? Like, we're talking oh. about digital-only cards. The third problem I have, the third problem that I have with digital-only cards like this is that it does finally break the one-to-one uh, bridge between paper my Lieutenant Worf mug, that it does finally break. I'm going to move good old Worf out This of is there. the most That's, animated episode yeah. of the podcast we've ever had. I'm, I'm laughing. You're smashing I, mugs. I'm not smashing <laughs> Worf. He's he's fine. He's staying here. He's and good. you never, ever, okay. ever drink any beverage out of him because the paints are highly toxic that made it. It came with so many is warnings. That, is that true? Yeah, is it came with... I, when I got the box, it was filled with warning labels. Like, for the love of God, this is a decorative piece. Do not put liquid in this and drink it I'm because... I'm pretty sure my chemicals. dad had one of those, like either Data or Picard or something. He had a, a painted yeah. next-gen mark. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's probably why he's in such poor health. Anyway, moving on. My number three thing that I dislike about the digital-only cards is that it breaks that one-to-one bridge between digital and paper. And I have always been of the belief that there should be one game system, essentially, where, yes, some people enjoy it only on digital, and yes, some people enjoy it only on paper, but that it should still just be one game, and that there should be that correlation. I've been an advocate that we should have codes to get product that we buy in paper on digital, and that there should be a way, like you were making that interesting suggestion, some stores did it with Magic Online, to be able to turn digital goods into paper goods. Magic Online had had a redemption. I've, uh, mm-hmm. That that would be a great solution for Arena. That's another video. But here's a solution for all the dead cards. Just let me turn in my Amonkhet set and get Amonkhet in paper. Uh, uh, there you go. And if I want those cards to play with, I can. But now I can turn all the money I spent into uh, paper cards. But that's another one. But I wanted that one-to-one correlation. And this shatters it. So it isn't one game anymore. Now, Magic is, in a sense, at least two games. Magic Arena is a different game in many ways yeah. than yeah. Magic the Gathering. I didn't like that. I wanted one game that I play and I'm a part of. And now it's two games. And in a lot of ways, you could say there's Magic Online, which I guess still has the correlation with Magic Paper, but not with Magic Arena. Why, if these digital-only cards are so great, aren't they being released on Magic Online? Not that I want because, that, but they're not Because Magic them- Online is magic. Magic Online and Paper Magic are the same thing. Magic right. Online is just, is just magic with digital objects, where Arena... We're going back to that question of what was sold to us, right? Arena was meant to be that, but it ended up never being that. And I guess it never was, because of the fact that they wanted to... And again, we're talking about intent. I'm sorry, and I don't want to, but it, it's kind of part and parcel. They wanted to separate it, right? They wanted to have the separate entity that had the game of magic, which is good enough to lure people in. That's, again, I'll stop using the word lure and predator and stuff, but it's a, a good, solid game, and they've got this extra ecosystem with obtuse monetary values of gems and coins and yeah. and odd numbers and all this all this crap. So, yeah, Magic is, Online was always intended to be just like Magic, with all the formats and everything. And it always was, it just needed be. a better interface, and some bugs fixed. 
and so, a lot of bugs I, fixed. And I just want to throw this out there for people that didn't know. Magic Online at one point didn't have all the cards. They had to go backwards to add them in. That was the thing they had to do. They never did that with Arena. Also, digitally unique cards have existed before, but in video game versions of Magic, like on the Dreamcast, on the Xbox, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So isn't that interesting, right? Like, there was a parallel there, and Magic Online went back and became Magic, and Arena was like, nah, we'll embrace the video game side of things. Not that video games are bad or anything. I'm just saying it's... it's It's not actually magic if the cards are different, right? It's a different card game. And all of this brings me to my next point, which is when we look at Magic the Gathering, Magic Arena, Wizards of the Coast, pushing its game into digital-only spaces as, I'm going to say, like 800 new cards, that's like three sets in one. That's a certain level of priority. Think about the hours involved in in developing, designing, coding, bringing that in. That is no light task. That says to me there is emphasis on this. And they're saying we want this as digital only. And then you compare that to games like, and I'm going to say it, Flesh and Blood. I've been talking about on my channel, on yours. You've been talking about Warhammer. I believe they've been doing a lot of events that I've picked up. I don't play it, but I've picked it up through you and other creators. Three big tournaments coming, yeah. Uh, they literally, the tournament structure you were commenting to me looks like they just copy-pasted from what Wizards of the Coast used to do with the Pro Tour, and they kind of have, and they're doing an excellent job of it. I bumped into judges at my local game store who are judging at Flesh and Blood events, and they said, oh, wow, they're really treating us better in terms of of packages and what they do for judge support uh, than we used to get treated like judging a GP. And on all the judge forums, everyone's talking about, go check out Flesh and Blood. It's, it's a dream come true. I can definitely say as a creator, working with them has been a dream come true. And you know what? I like the game, but they're pushing into paper spaces. Pokemon has even doubled into doing more paper events. Uh, a, a lot of other games, I believe. The, the Digimon you've played, I've played. It's really yeah. fun. I think they're, they've are they got some plans. Don't quote me on that one, but it's signaling, isn't it? And it's signaling yeah. where the interest is. And a game like Flesh and Blood is interested in in-person play. And a game like Magic seems to be interested in... Uh, do it online. Is that accurate, or am I just being a knee-jerk reactionary? Well, but there's, there's a caveat with Commander, Why not I guess. both? Um, the, the, the thing about the 800 cards in Arena, this is like a side ramp, a very small yeah. one. It really bugs me that there was this talk of, oh, we could never put all the older sets on because it takes too much time and effort. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, surely some of the design is already done, right? The cards exist in terms of game pieces. So there's, right. no, like, there's no like initial design, it's just coding, right? And then we see them put 800 cards on at once mechanics. So I'm just like, who, who is telling the truth here, guys? Anyway, anyway. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's strange that on this podcast, I believe, when I first started getting into Warhammer, I joked at some point that, Games Workshop's trying to catch up to what Wizards have done with Magic. Like Magic has had this prolific, organized play scenario with with like the top levels and the Pro Tours, all the GPs and the filtering in. And GW kind of wishes they had that. And although they're nowhere near that, they're now coming out of the gates being like, here's our big three events in America. We're going to have tournaments. We're going to have rules packets and codes of conduct. Meanwhile, Wizards are like, we've got nothing. And we've, yeah. we're, not, we're not even promising an update to it. But I think... Really what's happening is the focus on 1v1 magic is just moving to arena, or at least has been for a while now, right? With Like I said, the MPL right. was all on arena, right? And then Commander is the paper experience. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that'll mean that we get Command Fests, you know, through Wizards and which, whoever they partner with in the future and stuff like that. Again, I have no insider information on this. So hopefully we'll get them again. They can have the smaller side events for Legacy and Modern and Pioneer and stuff to keep them alive. 
But yeah, I think it's just now like, you know, the collectible game of Magic, because being collectible and expensive seems to be a priority too. Yeah. Commander, it's this paper thing, and then we have Arena for the rest of it. And that's kind of, that's scary and tragic, honestly. As someone yeah. who used to love the tournament circuit. Yeah, I, I agree completely. You know, I, I really, we were talking about this. It would be great. There's too many hours for us to go through. Maybe a hyper fanatic viewer would love to do this, but we've made a lot of predictions that have come true. And I am thinking, as you were talking, and it's just popped into my head here, that we did an episode where we talked about what would it look like if Wizards didn't want to support paper. They wanted to print it and sell it, but they just wanted it to go out there and they're not involved. And one of the things we talked about is it would mean, well, they wouldn't run tournaments, they wouldn't have a pro tour, they wouldn't even have a, a competitive magic thing. We, we talked about it in that video and we said, commander's fine, play it at the kitchen table. Other stores can run tournaments and events, which we're starting to see a few of with varying results. But the idea is, is that they'll print it, they'll sell it, and they're not gonna support it beyond that. And, and I don't and know. Hands up. I was the skeptic in that yeah. video. And I thought about it when I when I put down when we started up the sketch that you've all seen for this episode, when I put down the initial notes and we started fleshing it out, I was thinking about that episode where I was the skeptic. Like, oh, that yeah. would never happen. And now I look like a right prat because I'm sat here and it's happened. Like it's yeah. literally happened. Yeah, we we, we got terrifying. a lot of that. We've we've had some real big predictions uh, come to pass, and I I think that it's probably very appealing to a company to have a kind of like, wouldn't it be great? It reminds me of of like Mr. Burns talking about gambling, and he says this is this is brilliant. People come in, empty their pockets, and leave. I don't have to produce anything anymore and everyone nobody complains to me and it just makes me think about all the trouble that running competitive magic was and the complaints and you're not paying the judges and this and that and it's like wouldn't it be great if people just played at their kitchen table and left us alone and and commander and this and that and i don't know it just it feels like we are headed other, down that other path. people can carry the burden right that's the idea. other people, people can carry the burden but yeah Maybe this is all going to be a big laugh in our face, and in a few weeks we're going to get this new tournament series for Magic Unleashed. Some, somebody said to me it would be an epic troll on Flesh and Blood who is very obviously trying to pick up what Liz Wizards left on the table if they announced like a GP the same weekend as the Flesh and Blood GP, but in another state because it would just destroy the Flesh and Blood GP. And like, so you could go to Flesh and Blood GP Vegas, which I'll be at, uh, or you could go to you know, the first Magic GP, GP Seattle or something, and they're, they're the epic yeah. and everybody, and it's like like this <laughs> ultimate, I, I would actually, you know what? That would be so ruthless and cutthroat, I would actually kind of have to admire Wizards of the Coast for doing that, because it's them saying, you naysayers said we didn't care, and we do, and we we had legit reasons that we said, and we, we, we couldn't talk about it, and here it is, so let's see how much you really love flesh and blood. You're gonna go to their GP or ours, and it's like I—I I mean, I'm—I'm I'm already committed, but the rest of y'all would go up to Seattle. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I—I I, I, see I you in that? Vegas. I mean, it's kind of despicable, but yeah. yeah that, oh, 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 maybe Brian. Maybe I've never wanted us to be more wrong about literally anything. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm, and there is no hyperbole here. I've never wanted to be more wrong when talking about this stuff. Because yeah, the, but it, the death of organized play, and I don't just mean the pro tour, I mean just like having events that you can go to and try and play the main event and have side events and, and the convention experience as well. That That is terrifying to me because it's been such a big part of my like life of playing as a lifestyle hobbyist. 
Yeah, so, yeah stories will have them. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Magic will outlive Wizards of the Coast, Vince. I'm going to end on this positive note. Okay, Magic sure. will outlive Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast could go somehow record profits, but let's just say bankrupt tomorrow and fold and say we're done. And even if someone else didn't pick up the ball and started printing cards, people would still play Magic. People would still hold tournaments. Stores like Star City Games and Channel Fireball would, would still, once it is safe to yeah. do so again, hold. Uh, there will be a return to the SCG tour. I, I know it just as soon as they feel safe to do it. And props to them for doing it when they feel safe and everything. But other stores, little stores, I know we recently had this like secret GP that apparently, I didn't follow it too closely, didn't go too well, yeah. but other yeah. more competent stores will hold other more competent events and they will go well. And, and this will exist. The question is, is will that be something that fans organize for fans to enjoy, or will that be a backbone of like the magic game and an ecosystem in that official sense? And I don't think that it's, I don't, I don't see signs of it. I mean, they ended pro play and then they said, Stay tuned, and I've heard that one before. Uh, so I think Magic will survive. I think Magic will outlast Wizards of the Coast. I think people will always be playing in GP-like events in many forms, by, put on by many wonderful and less than wonderful organizers over the years. But I think that we are going to see more and more digital only and digital push. And that's, it's just what Magic is now. Sorry. You want to end it there, yeah?